0: Well, we've started a new sermon series, but we're not just trying to start a new sermon series, we're trying to start a new movement, a movement of people who are chasing after the heart of God, who are seeing God answer prayer in ways that combine our natural human desires, which God created, and the pleasure of God and the agenda of God. Uh, I am, I'm blessed to have family, I'm blessed to have a wife who prays, and anytime we run into anything where there might be a roadblock or whatever, she will say, well, I'm going to pray about it. Um, A while back, she took me to this facility in Northbridge, and said, I just want you to see this facility, and we went over together and we looked at it. And um, it was for sale. And uh, we talked about the price. And I I don't want to give you the impression that she was like pressuring me to make a decision to purchase it. She wasn't at all. But just kind of laid it out there. And I was standing there in the building. And I said, well, we're just not in a position to purchase this. I see no way of producing income stream. Uh, We always try to... Make sure we can pay for stuff we buy. <laughs> Just a little, a little strategy that I learned that you need to be able to pay for stuff you buy. And uh, so she said those words. Well, I'm going to pray. And fine, okay, pray, pray all you want. And uh, but but I don't. And like I said, she, I don't want to give the impression she was after us to do it or after me to get the congreg- you and the congregation to do it. And uh, a, few, a few months go by, and uh, Mike, who's sitting on the second row here, uh, Shana's father and, and the grandfather of Emmy, uh, <laughs> Sullivan, you gotta, you know, that's just the most fun ever, Mike, you're gonna love it. And uh, uh, Mike uh, had not, although he's uh, Shana's dad, uh, did not have the privilege of really growing up with her. In uh, some circumstances in his life, lived in California, had changed, and he decides to move to Massachusetts. I'm sure uh, partly to be close, mainly to be close to Shana. I don't think he was necessarily wanting to be around me more. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, uh, and, and guess what he did? He bought that building. And what, I mean, you, you couldn't. You couldn't plan that. You couldn't make that happen. You couldn't even if you tried to make it happen. You couldn't make it happen. Even if you tried. Even if you. Even if you pressured Mike to buy it or something, you couldn't make that happen. You just couldn't make that happen. So you know, we've gotten used to just living a life of answered prayer, and what? Is, so we have this great, awesome privilege. I, I think the one regret all of us will have when we get to heaven someday. As we didn't pray more, I think that's the regret. I think we'll all sin for God, and when, 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 when we realize the power, because we won't fully realize it till we are in the presence of God, and when we are fully in the presence of God, uh, we will say, "I wish I had prayed more. I wish I'd spent more time knowing the heart of God and asking for more." John's fifteen seven is a great little verse in. The whole chapter is so incredible, and there's so many things to deal with in this chapter. I won't even begin to try to unpack all the meaning that's in John 15. And, you know, There are many important chapters in the Bible. They're all important. John 15 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. John 15, 7. We're just going to pick one verse, and we're going to unpack a couple of things about this verse. If you remain in me, Jesus said, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done that's a bold promise right we want to talk about that invitation by the Lord today to ask for whatever you wish it sounds like the disciples are the Aladdins who have gone into a cavern at the request of their rabbi Jesus and been given the genie or the or the Aladdin the lamp that if they rub it out will come the genie to give you whatever you wish. In fact, in this chapter, there is even uh, we even discover what many have seen as a magic formula. John 15, 16, The Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name, Jesus said. Now, we know, however, those original 12 disciples, those 120 who followed Jesus most closely, we know that they did not hear a magical formula. Or, or if they had, they would have responded differently. When, when, when Jesus got arrested and was on his way to be crucified, they would have all joined in a prayer circle, and they would have said, uh, may Jesus be released and become the emperor in the name of Jesus. Jesus himself in the Garden of Eden when he said he said to God, Let this cup pass from me. All the charges against Jesus would have been instantly dropped because he asked. Cross and the resurrection wouldn't have happened. Between the disciples and Jesus and their request wouldn't have happened. But, now, I know you're thinking, okay, here's the big letdown. <laughs> you're going to tell us that verse doesn't mean, you can ask whatever you wish, that verse doesn't mean anything. Now, here's what I want to tell you today. That what that verse means is greater, if you understand it, and you won't understand it at a 35-minute 30, sermon. You're not gonna, none of us going to fully understand it that easily. But, as we grasp it, it will give us greater joy than a magic lamp. It's, a, it's about things way much bigger than a magic lamp, May, way much bigger than having your three wishes come true. John 15 is not about being able. Let me say this clearly. John 15 is not about being able to lift us out of the struggle, but about making sense of the struggle. It's not about, it's, it's not, about not having a struggle, but it's about not being alone in the struggle. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. It's about partnering with Jesus in the struggle with such intimacy that we begin to ask for his dreams to come true in the world. We begin to partner in making Jesus' dreams come true. That's what buying, that's what. Going into the building at Northbridge is about. That's what downtown BCC is about. It's about making Jesus' dreams come true. It's about building the King, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What we all need to grasp is the promise and opportunity to be fruitful to be close to Jesus and to be immersed in the scripture is more to be desired and more beneficial than any other answered prayer. Now you will see this Sunday and next Sunday I want to unpack for you and and, and don't don't race to some conclusion that your human needs, physical, biological, material needs don't matter to God. And therefore, God will not answer any of those prayers. But we want to put it into context. And we want to put it into a place where actually you have more accuracy and more results for praying for those things that matter to you in a material and earthly sense. But we want to connect it with a larger mission. And when we can connect it with a larger mission, that's what those diagrams last week were about. When we connect our human desires, our earthly desires, our physical, material, biological desires with a larger mission of Jesus Christ to to plant the kingdom on earth, then we actually have more of what we need. Not always more of what we want, but always more of what we need. Whatever you wish means... So here's where we want to start. Let's back up. Let's, let's back away from that verse that has been taken as a little mantra for Christians for many, many years. Isolated apart from the whole chapter. Isolated from the narrative of the Gospels. Isolated from what the disciples heard. See, one thing, one thing in understanding Scripture, one thing that will help you understand Scripture, is look at how the people who first heard it reacted to it. Because they understood. They didn't stop Jesus. Jesus, what are you talking about? They understood what he meant. And when they, d- d- when when you see other Christians and even other preachers taking a text in a direction, and you look at the disciples and they didn't take it in that direction, trust the disciples. Not Brother Whistlebritches, as Jim Rance used to say. Trust the disciples, they knew what Jesus meant, they responded according to what they heard, and so you look at their response to help you understand what the text means. We can't take one scripture out of, out of all the other scriptures around it and create a, a, a doctrine out of it, or we get, we get into error. That's what happened in some places. See, the phrase, I, I love this phrase, finding my voice. Whatever you wish, it, it's actually something so powerful. And if we if we race past it to get our new car and our new house, and pray for a spouse or whatever else you want, which fine that you pray for those things, you should. Uh, but if we race past what the scripture is telling us before we get to that, we're, we're 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 like the we're like the we're like a child who races past the relationship with you to open the gift that you gave them. And and we're it's so it's so we're so missing out on the greatest part of this. The greatest part of this is not the gift under the tree, but the greatest part of this is the greatest part of Christmas is if, if you're fortunate enough to have two loving parents, or even one loving parent, who is providing for you, and on Christmas morning you've got this house. And, you, and it's warm and it's comfortable and there's food in the oven and you have this family coming over. And if, if getting a new whatever, a new iPad or a new thing is more, really more important to you, all of that, you really are poor. You really don't get it. So whatever you wish means something really incredible. It means the God who created it all, the universe, who your body, everything wants to hear your voice. Jesus said, I want to hear you talk to me. The Father wants to hear from you. See, we have a problem in realizing great, have you ever been around somebody you were really impressed with? Somebody that's famous or somebody who, a sports star or a famous politician or, or a movie actress or somebody like that. Have you ever run into them? maybe airport or you're on an airplane, you, you ran into somebody that, that you just were like in awe of and you couldn't find your voice? Or, or maybe you, you were lucky enough to have a date with someone that you were just just overly attracted to. Just someone, probably you're sitting next to them right now, right? And, and you, just, you just said stupid things because you couldn't find your voice, right? That's, that's what it is with God. When, when we get with great people, we lose our voice. And the, Jesus is saying, I want you to do something that religion has never taught you. Religion has never taught you that you can go into the presence of God and find your voice. That's what I say. That's what sets Christianity apart from all other religions is that that should be religions. If you, if they, this, did you spell it right? Did you guys correct my spelling? Where is that quote it's supposed to be up there? What's, what sets Christianity apart ah, from all of the religions? It's, I got to have better editors. Come on, it's Religions. What what sets Christianity apart from all other religions is that our God loves the sound of our voice. That may not mean much to you because you're so used to, oh yeah, oh yeah, I talk to God, yeah. I say, God bless my hot dog, and he blesses my hot dog. The Jewish ears, that was scandalous to them because they wouldn't even say the name of God. They wouldn't even write out the name of God because it was too holy. They didn't imagine a God. They didn't imagine a God who, would, who cared about what they felt, or what they thought. They didn't imagine a God who listened to them. Someone said, and I don't know who said it, but I love this, this phrase, this paragraph. There's no more lopsided relationship than the one between God and us. We're the unequal partner in this relationship, easily overwhelmed by the infinite beauty and majesty of God. Yet He wants a genuine relationship with us. So He's devised a way for us to find our voice. He doesn't need us to ask for what we need, but He knows that we do. Let's go ahead and tell Him what we want, even if we think the answer will be no. God wants to hear from us, so let's speak up today. That's what prayer is. Amen? See, the image of God most Jews were familiar with was frightening. Hebrews 12, 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. Now, he's hearkening back to Mount Sinai when Moses went up and received the law. And the people were below. And this was the deal. It was a frightening experience. To encounter this God. Even Moses was frightened. He goes on to say. To a trumpet blast. Or to such a voice speaking words. Those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them. Because they could not bear what was commanded. That's how awesome your God is. That's not a commentary. On how angry God is. That's a commentary on how amazing he is. How powerful he is. And how awesome it is. And I want you to. I want you to understand that he is saying this creation, or not a creation, but this being, this God of Mount Sinai is the one the Jews knew about. This God of Sinai was saying, "I want you to see how I really am. I want you to see your, your sins have separated me from. But I'm going to send my Son so that you won't be afraid of me. And my Son is going to be the Word." My son is going to be the message from me, the message of love from me that's going to invite you to come into my presence. You're going to to find me approachable. If even an animal touches the mountain, let me read the rest of it, it must be stoned. That sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion. Notice it's not talking about some future date. It didn't say you will go to Mount Zion someday. When, When Jesus comes back, When you get raptured, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirit of righteousness, men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This was a new word to the Jewish culture. A God who wanted to hang with me. A God who wanted to spend time with me and not only speak to me, but listen to me. The mythical Greek gods were never interested either in the wishes of humans. When we read about the mythical Greek gods and the gods that another part of that culture honored, they were always angry, they were always imposing their will upon mankind or trying to, always punishing mankind for not doing their will. Here's a God who's interested in listening and interested in knowing what's on my heart, on my mind. I believe there's always an ache in the heart of God until he hears us wishing for the same good things that he wishes for. Let me say that again. I believe there's always an ache in the heart of God. And I believe this is what Jesus is saying when he says, if you abide in me, and My words abiding you? I do not believe he's saying that you have to memorize all of Scripture. Or that you have to be a... Remember, I'll put this in context. Jesus was talking to some regular dudes. Fishermen, IRS agents, Medical doctors. These were the guys. And also, these were guys that all the other rabbis had rejected. These guys were like in their 30s. That meant they, A, because they followed Jesus, they were wanting to follow a teacher and a rabbi. But they had been overlooked by all the other rabbis in the community who didn't think they were good enough, that they didn't make the cut. And so Jesus found some guys that no other rabbis wanted. And he extended to them the greatest privilege of all, which was to know the heart of God. Hallelujah. And I believe there's always an ache in the heart of God until he hears us wishing for the same good things that he wishes for. The mission of Jesus wasn't domination, but buy-in. The Jews, Romans, and Greeks had no image of a God who gave a flip about their longings, desires, and aspirations. But here's a God who said, I don't just want to impose my will on you. I want your will. I want my will to come out of your heart. Do you get that? I want my will to come out of your mouth. I don't want to beat you into submission. I want to love you. To a place of intimacy. Till your words and my words match. Till you and I are wanting the same thing. You're wanting the same thing as I do to the extent that whatever you wish. Whatever you wish. Because you have come into my presence. You've not come to that mountain that you're afraid of me. But you've come to that mountain that you feel secure with me. And so there's been a merger of our hearts. So one of the problems, one of the problems with the religion is we can, and, and, and we're going to talk. We're going to in this sermon. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you four action points. Not, I'm not going to say you have to do all four. I, I want to ask you to do at least one of four. And there's not going to be any special like uh, candy bars or or anything for the ones who do all four. But you know what your capacity is. So. Yeah, running a church, religion, you're always having to give people action points. But sometimes we miss the point. And we think, well, I did the four things they told me to do. You know, I came to church regularly. I accepted a ministry, a serving appointment. I, I pay my tithes and I have a quiet time every day. Are you satisfied now? And we miss we miss the bigger point. That, that you can do those four things and be untransformed. You can be untransformed. You can do those four habits, which are good habits, by the way. And I recommend that you do them. But Jesus is going for something way bigger. He's going to have you fall in love with him. He's going to have you, to teach you to love him. And to, to let you know how much he loves you. Because he put on a flesh suit so he could come and be you, so he could understand you and experience every stress that you're going under and more for you. So he, not so he could understand you, but so you could know he understands you. Not so he could relate to you, but so you could relate to him. Whatever you wish is more than a promise. It is a condition of the heart. John 15, 7, If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Now, let's get one thing straight here. God's not a killjoy who destroys your illusion of a beautiful life through prayer by cluttering up with fine print. He didn't say three or four verses, Ask whatever you want, I'll do whatever you want, I'll give you. Agree, if any two agree, such anything. What if he have strung all those verses together that you all we all quote when we want God to do something? You know those verses? Those, those arm-twisting verses? That we all know when we, when, we want, when we want to get the mortgage on the new house. Or we want that, that beautiful lady to go out with us. You know, that we all the verses that twist God's arm? If any two agree, would you agree with me? If any two agree, God's going, oh yes, I'll do it. <laughs> Jesus didn't string all those verses together and then at the end go, you know, like in little tiny print, you know how you, you, you look at the, car, the internet car sale things? If the fine print was, if your word, if my words abide in you, and your words abide in me, <laughs> don't you love it? Don't you love it when you go when you see the price of the car on the internet, and you're all excited, and you go in, and the print is so tiny, it, it would take. I, I mean, only NASA has instruments that will read the fine print. But the, the fine print is, you you got you you your, your your eldest child had to have been born between 19. 62 in 1965 and 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 you have to have five thousand dollars down and you know you didn't see all that and and so they got you they got you there now what are you going to do you you need a car right but God doesn't work like that in fact he told you before he said I'll give you whatever you want he said I want you to bear fruit and I want your words, my words to be in you. And I want you to abide in me. And ask whatever you wish. If anything, ask whatever you wish. It's the fine print. The bold print is, here's the relationship I want with you. Here's the partnership that I'm offering you. I'm offering. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I'll regret that later. But I can't help it. I'm offering to let you help me run the world. Did you just get chills? I just got chills. Oh, the Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Christ. We don't get at church. We're not, we're not just playing around making mud pies. We're being prepared. And this is not some political takeover. I hope this doesn't get on the internet. So Pastor Phil, they're planning on taking over the government. <laughs> no, no, no. This is Jesus is Lord. He's got a. Uh, we don't want a theocracy because Theo's not here yet. When Theo comes, we'll do theocracy. Whatever you wish. It's, it, so God's not a killjoy. It's not fine print. To remain in me is not a strategy to minimize heaven expenses. It's not a strategy for God to get a better deal. It proceeds from the heart of a Heavenly Father who spares no expense to make His resources available. He's got buildings. He's got cars. He's got airplanes. He's got whatever we need to be partnering with Him. Whatever we need. He's got clothes. He's got, he's got people. He's got intelligent people. He's got, he's got money. Whatever we need to do, whatever needs to be done. And He's more excited than we are about having a relationship with us. The way, you know, Tim Keller said, in fact, I don't have time to get into all the love in this chapter, but God is so interested in people. I loved what Tim Keller said the other day. He said, The way you know you've moved from religion into an experience of the gospel of grace is you're interested, you're interested in other people. I said, The way you know you've moved from religion into an experience of the gospel of grace is that you're interested in other people. God is interested in people, and if you want to partner with God, you're going to join him in being interested in people. To appreciate the word in here, we first need to go back to the original language. It is a preposition that denotes position in, he said, if you're in me. The condition in which something operates from the inside of is what it means. Jesus is calling you to be so interested in, in himself that to understand, I have to look at you through Jesus like a filter on a camera to understand you to understand you to understand the person who's falling in love with Jesus you, you have to you have to know about Jesus to know about them because they make decisions and they have a demeanor and they do things with their life that the only way to explain why they do that is because of this man Jesus. I say, the more you can look at me and only explain my decisions, my demeanor, and my commitments by saying, oh, he's a Christian, the more it close, I am closely aligned with Jesus' words in me. That's what Jesus meant by in me. Can I understand you apart from Jesus? I shouldn't be able to understand you apart from Jesus. You should be making, you should be doing things, you should be loving in a way that the only reason you would do that is because you have Jesus in your life. The only reason you would behave at that level of commitment, the only reason you would be that forgiving, the only reason you would be that kind is if you had a reward coming from some other place. The only way I should be able to figure you out is by knowing who Jesus is. And so your behavior should so puzzle me that I go, what? Why do you act like that? And you would have one word, Jesus. I am in Christ. To the degree that God knows we have the interests of the kingdom, at heart, he can trust us to ask whatever we wish. See, the power of gospel of Jesus Christ is nullified when my, spirit, when my spirituality is given equal prestige with the Son of God. No one has greater standing with God than Jesus. No one. Whatever you wish is the expression of one who knows the state of the relationship is a place of complete trust. You know, I have people like that in my life. I have people in my life, people that are in staff, I have people in my family, people that are friends that I trust them so much with my business, I can say whatever you want to do. Because I know they care as much about what about my interests as I do. And a lot of times they care more. And a lot of times they even know better than me. I have that conversation all the time with different members of my staff about different things. When they will start to make a suggestion. I'll say, go ahead and do what you want. Because I know after they put their, their work on whatever decision I'm working on, whatever thing I want you to see, it's going to be better than if I did it. Because they are trying to make me successful. That's what Jesus is inviting you to. He's inviting you to that place of trust. He's inviting you to that place of mutual care. So that you are all about him. Because he's already all about you. He's already all about you, and he's inviting you to be all about him. And that's what we preached about last week when we talked about the confidence zone. That's the confidence zone. Where he, God is so God has God trusts your heart like he could trust Abraham. God God turned Abraham into a man that he could completely trust. He could trust the future. Listen to this. He could trust the future of the world into Abraham. And Abraham did not disappoint God. It's not about earning salvation either. But it's about partnering in dominion. It's not about earning salvation, but it's about partnering in dominion. And that's what God is calling us to See, see, Jesus doesn't have a whatever-you-wish relationship with me when I have little or no regard or any intent of carrying out his agenda in the world. Uh, I enjoy reading uh, uh, The Babylon Bee once in a while. And if you're any guys that look at The Babylon Bee, it's, it's the most trusted name in Christian satire. <laughs> and I, I've sent up a few of the articles to friends, and they thought it was serious. You know, it's like they, I have to always tell them it's satire, satire, Okay. But here's one that came. Sometimes there's so much truth in it that, that it's just fantastic. And here's one that came up this week Woman, I'm sh- unsure why she needs Jesus after a preacher spends 30 minutes telling her how amazing she is. <laughs> I, you know, I had that article. And, and I. I, I, I won't read it to you. I was going to read it to you, uh, but evidently I lost it in my notes, and all I have is the link setting there. So I won't read you that, but it's a really, look it up. It's a really cool article but, about this person who was told for 30 minutes by how amazing she was, and then at the end of the sermon, the, the preacher said, now you need Jesus, and she was offended. She was totally disappointed and said she wouldn't be going back to that church of someone who would convince her how, how she didn't need anyone, but she needed to just be better at being herself. And that's kinda, you know that's kind of what we do sometimes. That's kind of what happens to us. You know, I've got to come to a place where I go, Jesus, I really need you. I'm nothing without you. I can't do this. This isn't about my spirituality. My spirituality is not enough. I need Jesus. I you know, I respect everyone's spirituality, by the way. I'm not putting anyone down or anyone here this morning who'd say, you know, I'm not i s I'm a spiritual person. I respect everyone's spirituality. I respect other people who have different beliefs than I do. I have no problem with that. I have no problem hanging out with them, no problem caring about them, no problem working with them, no problem whatsoever. But listen, this if you're going if you're if you're following Jesus, it doesn't work to say. I'm spiritual, but I don't care about Jesus. I'm not believing in Jesus. I'm just a spiritual person. Well, that's fine, but you're not, you're not, you can't live in John chapter 15. You can't live in this place that he describes in John chapter 15 unless Jesus Christ, he said, if you abide in me, if you're connected with me, if you're related to me, it's so, so important. See, there's a contemporary uh, emphasis on following our passion. And it's a good thing to follow our passions up to a point. But when we we only follow our passions, then the will of God becomes subjected to our feelings. And Jesus is trying to reach reach us through those. He's trying to reach those around us through us. So when when we only follow our passions, we can become very independent. Undependable. Christine Kane said this in a couple of tweets this week. She said, follow our passions. Is, our passion is not the goal. So many people step out of their purpose because they are no longer passionate about a thing. Our passion is Jesus. We follow him with passion. Following him may involve seasons of doing things we're not passionate about. See, when, you, when, when you're in Christ, it's not always about how you feel. It's not always about how you feel about a thing. It's not always about what you feel passionate about. There's nothing wrong with following your passions. It's a great thing to follow your passions. But I I want to be very, very clear today. This sermon and this sermon series and this quest I want to take you on goes beyond following your passions. It goes beyond just finding out what you want to do. Nothing wrong with you finding out what you want to do. You need to do that. I encourage that you to, to explore your, your heart, explore your needs, explore what you want. But you and I, I am not Jesus. I am not the Savior. I am not God. I'm being invited into a relationship. I'm being invited. Hear me out today. I'm being invited to discover the heart of God. I'm being invited to discover the agenda of Jesus Christ and become a part of it. Whatever you wish, and this is where I got ahead of myself a minute ago, whatever you wish is the heart of Jesus to companions who are going to help him run the world. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we endure, we will reign with him. That's where we're going. And down in verse 15 of John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. That is So powerful, folks, that is so good. John Piper said, prayer is not for gratifying natural desires. It is, the, it is for fruit bearing, for the glory of God. If you want God to respond to your interest, you must be devoted to his interest. He does not run the world by hiring the consulting firm called Mankind. He lets mankind share in the running of the world through prayer to the degree that we consult with him and set our goals and our hearts and desires in tune with his purposes. Here's a paraphrase of John 15, 16. I have given you a fruit bearing mission in order that your prayers might be answered. Now that's good. I have given you a fruit bearing mission in order that your prayers might be answered. You want to move into the confidence zone? Move in to the mission of God for your life, move into the mission of God for the church. We're a part of what God is going to do with humanity. This is not just a little sect of people called Christians who are going to do our own thing and everybody else is going to do their own thing and we're going to all up in the same place in the end. That's not what this... This is about God's agenda for the world. He ran it through Jesus Christ and He built His church. I don't know exactly how God's going to do it, but I know God has done everything He said He was going to do so far. I know God has accomplished all of his purpose so far. I know that all prophecies have come to pass so far. I would, be, I would be denying evidence if I took a different path than the one laid out for me that has so much more credibility than any of the others that I read or hear about. Christianity makes no sense if it's viewed as just a better way to get ahead in, in life. You know that? And we all want to get ahead in life. I'm not. I'm not criticizing that. That's not to say that God wants to impose His will on our material world uh, for our comfort. But but Jesus made it clear that this was a benefit with limits, not a core mission statement. And I'm talking about us getting what we want. There's a term for companies that begin to exist for the for the benefit of the employees. You know that. There's a term for a company or a business that starts to work only for the benefit of the employees. It's called out of business. Well, God's got the most successful business ever imagined, and he's not going out of business. The more we get psyched about being in his business, the more incredible our prayer life will be. Jesus even said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all those material biological things will be added to you. So relax. Relax. God's going to meet all your needs. Don't worry. Don't worry about food, clothing, relationships, the things that make you happy. Don't worry about it. Worry about the king's business. I don't like the word worry, but you know what I mean. Take care of the king's business. I said it last week. The king will take care of your business. God's more unselfish than you, so trust him with trust him with lunch. Trust him with transportation. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. So don't worry about bread. Okay. Today starts a new initiative called Inquire. Hopefully you've you've seen it. We've emailed it. We've put it in social media. I'm inviting you to start a journey with me to run after the heart of God. I used to love to watch videos of a golfer named Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones had the smoothest golf swing I've ever seen. He was an Atlanta attorney uh, back in the day when professional golfers were not necessarily full time; they did other things, and they make the kind of money they make now. But he was a uh, he won, I believe, it was the four major championships. He won them all in one year, and he used to, he made these little videos. These they were videos and films called "How I Play Golf." And uh, in that, he had that beautiful southern uh, drawl, he would talk about how I play golf, and then he would show you. Well, these four initiatives or four action points that I want to invite you to participate in, at least one of them, is really how I pursue God. Now, later you may want to go back to how you pursue God. I'm not saying this is the only way, but this is how I pursue God. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never have a product without a process. If you don't put things on your calendar, you'll never do them. You become what you're committed to. We can say we want to have the heart of God, but if we don't become committed to a process, we want. We have to have a process. It's not like a obey the law kind of thing. It's, it's not a, a bunch of rules. It's not that. It's just a process. So I'm going to invite you to this process, and it, uh, there's four different aspects of it, and I want you to do at least one of them with us, please. One is I want you to read the... Uh, the there's a YouVersion, uh Bible reading plan called the 10-Day Word Fast. I, I've done it. It is really fantastic. I'm going to do it again with you, starting in the morning, okay? So consider doing the ten, reading the 10-day Word Fest, and uh, that's in the email. If you got the email, the link is right there. Uh, the second thing I want you to consider doing is called the Daniel Fest. And rather than explaining to you what the Daniel Fest is, there's all kinds of resources on the Internet. Or talk to Jim... Day on Jim is the, the our guru on Daniel fast. He knows all about Daniel fast. So talk to Jim after church. Go to, there's actually a wikihow link where it will describe to you how to do a Daniel fast. That way, you still have enough energy to do what you need to do, but you're setting aside. It's what it's based on Daniel who ate no pleasant food. Okay, and so uh, you you don't have bread, meat, coffee, a few things like that that you really love. And every time you have a hunger pain for those things, it will remind you to seek God. That's why you do it. So for 21 days, I invite you to participate in Daniel. But it's also very good for you physically too. Uh, the third thing is this is the ACTS prayer method. stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And in, I, I, in the email and in the link, there's a sample of I write most days, I write my prayer out. And you can write out a prayer like that actually in about seven or eight minutes or five minutes. You can write out a prayer like that. You don't have to do it that way, but that's the way it will help you stay focused and your mind won't wander off. That's why I do it, because I have ADD. My mind wanders off. So I write things down and uh, you might want to develop code or put blanks if you don't want anyone ever seeing that you prayed for them or you prayed about them. The fourth thing I invite you to do is to start reading a book with me. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible. How many of you know about the Message Bible? He wrote the Message Bible. He's got this classic work called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Now, you say, why are you including that in a week of of, a month of prayer? Why are you including this book? Because this book is the Psalms. I think it's Psalms 120 through 129. It's the Psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent. And it's what it's, it's, they're singing, they're writing songs actually about their journey to go up to Jerusalem and seek God. So they're talking about a journey to seek God. And Eugene Peterson just does a fabulous job of making application of the things they talked about and, and they wrote about in their journey to go to Zion and seek the heart of God. So I want to invite you to join me in one or more of these action points starting in the morning. And let's go pursue the heart of God together. And I want you to put the week of prayer on your schedule. Let's meet together. We're going to meet downtown uh, the week of uh, the 22nd. We're going to meet every night from Sunday night through Friday night. We're going to meet, and we're going to pray. And on Thursday night, we're going to have a great international prayer meeting and prayer service with... Representations from several nationalities. I've talked to one of our brothers here who's an Indian nationality is going to lead us in prayer. The, one of the Brazilian prayer leaders is going to be there to lead us in prayer. And we're going to have an incredible night because God is all about bringing the nations together. Amen? God is all about that. So, amen? Let's give the Lord a hand for that. <clears throat> we're just going to bow our heads right now and close in prayer. And I invite you to become a pursuer of the heart of God. Father, Thank you that you've given us this blueprint. We don't have to. We don't have to pull a verse here and a verse there to build some doctrine, God. We can just. We can just. We can just take the whole your whole counsel and we can begin to build our lives around it because it will make us. It will make us people that are more effective. It will make us people that it, it ultimately will be more. Will be happier because we're in harmony with our heavenly Father. And all of those things that we need, all those things that we worry about, God, the, the money, the, 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 the uh, leisure time, and uh, vacations, and, and v- vehicles and houses, all those things that we worry about, you're going to take care of it. Yes, God, you're going to take care of all of that. In fact, God, you are offering to lift a state of worry and anxiety from us. You're offering to say, Let me take care of all of that, and let me give you something that will bring you deep satisfaction and pleasure, which is to bring my kingdom to the earth. Lord, you said you said in the in 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 the Lord's in your prayer that you gave us, you said, pray, thy kingdom will come, thy will be done on earth as, earth as, in, as it is in heaven. In the next verse, you said, give us this day our, we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Oh God, show your people the beauty of chasing after the kingdom of God, of chasing after your heart, and that you are such a loving and a magnanimous and generous and extravagant Father that you will take care of our material world better than we could ever imagine. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let's pursue the heart of God. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.